Hello, and welcome to Clover Club, a podcast about curious conversations and stories intended to make you laugh and learn. This is your host, Erica, and I am, oh my God, just so excited for my guest today. I tried to get her on here once, and then uh, the universe had other plans. So this is my my redemption episode with the amazing Tuary Butler, the Director of Operations for Plywood People. Tuary, hi. Hi. How are you? I am very good and I'm happy to be here. Oh, I can't tell you how happy I am to have you here. You were very kind to say that the universe had different plans. <laughs> I, I'm not ashamed, <laughs> tell the truth. I got COVID. <laughs> Again. <laughs> I wasn't sure if you wanted that to be public information, so it's I was like, okay. I'll keep Everybody's it. getting it, so it's fine. It's crazy. Yeah. Like, everyone is getting it. Yeah. Um, that was your second time? It was my second time. Yeah, I got it uh, for the first time in 2021 okay. for Christmas. It it was my Christmas gift. Aww. In fact, our whole team had it, so that was very sad. We spent our whole time off where we should have been with family and friends. Everybody was in their prospective homes and in their beds. And oh. then randomly, I got it uh, November when I was supposed to come on. So That sucks. And no, Nate didn't get it. You know, it was just... It was like, you know, the universe was like saying, okay, let's... You it's like jury break. duty. <laughs> you, It's time for you again. Yes. Yeah. So, <laughs> number 429. Yeah. Come on up. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> well, I know your husband Nate had it and had a very bad experience with it. Yes. Was that when you had it in 2021 or No. No, um Nate got it at the very beginning in okay. March of 2020. Oh, wow. Yes. Like super early. So, he was super early when, you know, they were still wearing hazmats at, at the hospital where, yeah. you know, I could only drop him off. <gasps> And I couldn't go in. And it was a long battle. It was 162 days that... In the hospital? No, that he had it. And we were dealing with hospital visits, two emergency surgeries, two lung collapses. You know, all, all of the things because, you know, we all know that... Doctors didn't know. It, this was a new phenomenon. It was yeah. like, wait, well, how do you treat this person? Do we touch them? Yeah. You know what I mean? We were wiping down our groceries. So mm-hmm. all of that was in play in the middle of everyone being at home. And when I worked for the congressman, you know, moving to remote work, which congressional offices did not do. Yeah. And uh, and my boss, uh, Congressman John Lewis, had stage four pancreatic cancer. So it, it was like all the things at the same time. That's unbelievably stressful. Yes. And, you know, I know people to this day are like, see, I didn't need a vaccine or they downplay the severity of COVID. And I always think of Nate because uh, he's been very open about sharing yes. pictures and videos and, and just his story of his experience with COVID. And it's, I mean, otherwise young, healthy man, and it's just really upsetting and scary. Very. So I appreciate that you guys are are open to sharing about that oh, journey. I, absolutely, absolutely. Ugh, you you cannot uh, prepare yourself for something like that. Yeah. And just I think Nate is open to sharing that portion of our story because he doesn't want anyone else to go through, you know, being a patient. Right. And also a caretaker. It, it was stressful on both sides. And so Absolutely. we like to tell that story to just kind of get it out there and, yeah. and not put... There was a lot of shame around having COVID early. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was kind of like, oh, you have the plague. You're wearing the scarlet. You, you know yeah. what I'm saying? And so we just want to 
make sure that we normalize it as much as we can and, and share what we went through in hopes that it will help someone else. Yeah, absolutely. I think if even one person listening is like, oh, damn, <laughs> like then helpful. Exactly. But it is, I think, really nice these days how it's evolved. And it's not the scarlet letter that it used to be. Yeah. And I think it's given people, um, you know, like I got sick. I tested negative for COVID, so I don't think it was COVID. But I got sick in December. And I... Uh, I had a couple days where I was <laughs> inoperable, right. but towards the end there, I'm like, it is the holidays. People have appointments. They want to keep with me. I need to go to work. Um, so I wore a mask and I went to work and it, I, I love that that is a more normal thing. And now that if you see people wearing a mask, you're like, well, I don't care. Like, right. <laughs> you're no not judgment. shaming them or anything. I mean, yeah. actually they're wearing it to protect themselves, but also you. Yeah. And I think we needed a hard reset, maybe not this so, uh, but we needed a reset in terms of like, if you're not feeling well, mm-hmm. you can work from home. Yes. You can wear a mask. Yeah. You can stay, you know, away so that you're not affecting and infecting the rest of your team, the rest of your family, the rest of your friends. Absolutely. Yeah. And you never know who's going to have an adverse reaction. You know, the people who are like, it's just a cold. Yeah, for some people yeah. and for others it may be, or you've got loved ones or coworkers or whatever that have comorbidities that are really serious. You don't want to bring John Lewis COVID. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> we were keeping bad. him, we were keeping <laughs> him very, I mean, he didn't even want to look outside the window, but yeah. That's unreal. Well, Tuiri, so you've obviously referenced that you worked for John Lewis, which is so unbelievably amazing and cool. Thank um, you. And yesterday was MLK Day, so I yes. feel like this is a wonderful week to uh, to chat about what that experience was like. Will, will you tell us what you did for John Lewis, how long you worked for him, and just give us the, the Cliffs notes? Sure. I started uh, as a staff assistant and uh, worked my way up throughout the years. I was his longest serving employee. So I served Congressman Lewis for 22 years. Wow. Which is like a unicorn. I'm a walking unicorn um, (laughs) with a a yellow horn. Yeah. (laughs) Um, But yes, I served him for 22 years. So I started as a staff assistant and basically uh, worked out of the district office. Most congressional offices have several district offices and then one in Washington. Mm -hmm. And and that's the legislative office. The district office... uh, services, the constituents, the people who put your member or senator in office, right? And we are helping with those federal issues dealing with federal agencies. So as a staff assistant in my portfolio, I'm using air quotes like the people can see me, (laughs) but in my portfolio was immigration, homeland security, military veteran affairs, to name a few. Wow. And then I started to progress. I became intern coordinator. Then I, then Staff assistant became constituent services representative, uh, acting district director, and then finally ended as district director, which basically I was in charge of the Atlanta office, in charge of the staff, and still in charge of my portfolio, and uh, really did a lot of work with our legislative office with regards to giving them all of what our constituency was saying so that the bills and legislation that the congressman co-sponsored or wrote was reflecting what the people back home was saying. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? It makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Gosh, that's just unbelievably cool. I would think that working... Well, okay, tell me, like, how closely, like, what type of interaction would you have with him on a daily basis? Well, when he was, so members of Congress have rhythms where, you know, there's times where they're in Washington for a long spill where they're, you know, doing a lot of votes. Mm -hmm. And then they have district work periods. So during the district work periods, they're here at home 
engaging with their constituency, whether it's having a constituent day where people in the community can come and have one-on-one meetings with the congressman, stakeholders can have one-on-one meetings, we're going to uh, forums and town halls, all of those fun things. <laughs> um, but we're also doing events to make sure that we are getting out the information that is being discussed in Washington and informing our constituent base of what's coming down the pipeline. Okay. So you're thinking about health care. Those major issues like Social Security, we're going to have town hall meetings so that we're educating them and giving the constituents a chance to ask questions, and then we take that back to Washington. Okay. So my day-to-day interaction, based on the rhythms of the congressman, you know, when he was here for district work period, was every day. Okay. Even when he was in D.C., because of the position that I held being it was a chief of staff, then a legislative director, and myself. We're on the same plane. Okay. I, I'm speaking to him every day. Okay. It, and Sundays, we had, you know, 45-minute to an hour-long conversation about what he wanted to see happen in the district with the staff in terms of initiatives that he was putting forth. And then I would then implement that with the rest of our team here in Atlanta. Okay. So in every day, Monday through Friday we would have a press call. So it's a lot of interaction, to say the least. Suffice it to say, you know him really well, or you knew him really well. Yes. Are there certain personality traits or qualities about him that have impacted who you are as a human and professional today? Absolutely. Um, The congressman was a gentle giant, Mm -hmm. and he was a news junkie. So it was very interesting to me, and I'm still perplexed to this day, how this man who had a flip phone (laughs) knew more news than me. Oh, wow. He got up at the crack of dawn, was watching, you know, his, all of the channels, because you have to get a full perspective. Yeah. Read the New York Times every day and the Washington Post. Okay. And just when I would think that I had him, like (laughs) I have combed every single article, he would still get me. Wow. And I'm like, how are you doing this? I don't, he just, everything, information was fuel for him. Yeah. And (laughs) you know what I mean? Like he, he really just wanted to know everything so that he could make decisions that were conscious. Yeah. Yeah. That's a lovely concept for a politician. Exactly. (laughs) Who knew? No. <laughs> yes, yes. But he, he was amazing in that regard. And and another thing about him is that, you know, he was fun. I love You know, that. he had a little bit of mischief about him. Ooh. And he taught me that, you know, you show up as your best self every day. Mm-hmm. You put your best foot forward every day. And any time that I was feeling like I don't want to do something, I had to reflect back to the moments where, for instance, he walked across Edmund Pettus Bridge. I'm sure he didn't want to yeah. really do that, but something was pushing him forward yeah. because there was other lives attached to what that movement was. Sure. You know, making sure that we had voting rights was something important that was maybe fostering like, oh, I need to go ahead and do this. So for me as a professional, there are things that I you know, I'm like, oh, I really want to stay in bed or I really want to sleep longer or I'm not feeling it today. But I always think back to him because I'm sure there were plenty of things that he didn't want to do, 
but he had to do because he was chose to do it. Yeah. Is that, yeah. That's beautiful. Yeah. I think it's, I think a lot of people can ignore those callings Mm -hmm. and think like, oh, somebody else could do a better job. Like somebody else is more adept for this. And it's so beautiful seeing people who dedicate an entire life and career to service of others and by way of that service to themselves, because the way that he's impacted the people like you who've served closely with him, I mean, it's, it's beautiful and amazing. And just like, it's so cool even just talking to you and knowing how much time you spent with him. And mm-hmm. so his memory will live on through people like you. Thanks. Um, you referenced that he was a bit mischievous. Yeah. So am I. And I'm wondering if you have any interesting or like funny stories about him that you could share? Well, he just, he had this way about him where, you know, our team, our staff, we worked together for a long time. There wasn't high turnover in his office, clearly. (laughs) Yes, uh, in congressional work, politics is hard. So you think, you know, burnout is two years and then people are like, oh my gosh. Yeah. But for some reason, and I'm thankful for that reason, we did not experience that to the level where we felt like we had to get out. Yeah. So we became a family, truly. Sometimes dysfunctional. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes, that is a family. <laughs> exactly. There's there's this uh, clarity within the chaos. Mm-hmm. And sometimes he liked to stir the pot. I love that. <laughs> and, and then he would just sit back and smile. <laughs> and I think as we learned him knowing what he was doing, then it was like up to us to decide, oh, you're you're throwing down the gauntlet to see. Yeah. And then he would just laugh it off. But I, I think that was him saying to us that we were his family mm-hmm. and not just people who worked for him. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. It's a very special work environment. Um, was he a prankster? No, he didn't do pranks. Okay. Um but like he would just say something and just sit back and kind of wait for it. Yeah. Intellectually mischievous. Yes. Okay. Yes. Yeah. And he would challenge us too. You know, like I said, with the news. Mm-hmm. At one point, you know, he was like, you all have to do better. You have to know what's going on. And he got everybody a subscription to the New York Times. Love that. Because he's like, if you're serving the constituents of this district and you're working for me, you're a representation of, you're further a representation of me. Yeah. And I need to know what's happening. I need to know what I'm doing. Yeah. Because their lives on the line. And so that was, you know, that was him being like stern Mm -hmm. where we were all like, Ooh, yeah, but it was important. And, and that has stuck with me as well. That's amazing. Are there any projects or initiatives in particular that you worked on with him that you're especially proud of? Yes. Uh, well, in my portfolio, I said veteran affairs, mm-hmm. and I was, I had just acquired that. A staffer had left, and I, and I had just acquired that. And so veterans are very important to me because my grandfather was one. He served in World War II. Mine too. Awesome. <laughs> uh, and so, you know, when veterans come back from serving, not everyone was given the full spill of what they were entitled to. Yeah. And I, he was very adamant, like, they need to know 
what benefits they're entitled to. If mm-hmm. it's service connected, if it's non-service connected. And breaking through, you know, at a time where we had Operation Desert Storm and Iraqi Freedom, it those two wars under President Bush, it was coming up with how do you make tangible post-traumatic stress disorder mm-hmm. and traumatic brain injury. So PTSD and TBI. Yeah. A lot of veterans, men and women who served in those two wars weren't able to prove that they had this disability. And that was at a time where the Veterans Administration was really getting a lot of flack, rightfully so, because you're expecting men and women to go serve this country and then come back and integrate back into civilian life. And it's not clicking. And so he challenged me to do a forum for veterans to get PTSD and TBI service connected. So I'm like, wait a minute. (laughs) They're not already? (laughs) Right. I I mean, I was just like, you want to, you want me to do this? Yeah. And he was like, I hired you. I want you to do this. Wow. And more importantly, you can do this. So it was a school that was on Scott Boulevard. I think it's an administration building now. Okay. In Decatur. Uh, we had a forum. I called all the heads of the Veterans Administration, the one off Claremont Road, mm-hmm. uh, former Senator Max Cleland, some people from Washington, the media, and the veterans that we were serving, and had a forum. And that was the catalyst to get PTSD and TBI you know, associated with service connection for veterans. Nationwide. Yes, where it wasn't so much paperwork and so much bureaucracy. I'm sure in other states it was an easier, but that was... That was major for us here in Atlanta. Yeah. And then it, it became easier after that. That's so cool. So I'm really proud of that. You should be. That's just amazing. Yeah. Wow. Mental health is something that's super important to me. And mm-hmm. it is really hard to, like you said, make something tangible that isn't tangible. Yeah. So I, I'm sure thousands of people have benefited from that hard work. Amazing. Are there anything else? There are a couple more, but I, I <laughs> that's a big one. <laughs> yeah, that that's a big one. I, you know, we did a lot of work in with immigration. Mm-hmm. We did a lot of work. Let me see for you know even the postal system, okay, and social security, <laughs> and of course healthcare was yeah. definitely on the top of his list. Yeah. So, but that was the one that was I think for me I was most proud of because one I my driver was my grandfather mm-hmm. and he didn't he passed in 2013 and so to be able that was very early in my career to be able to tell him the efforts that you know we made in helping veterans that were coming back from this war yeah. not have to deal with that and then that was even helpful for Vietnam veterans to then go back and get service connection established mm-hmm. for 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 PTSD and TBI. That's amazing. Yeah. Is, is there anything people will be surprised to hear about him? Mm, he didn't get his license to drive until he was 40. Oh, wow. <laughs> that's, that's such a fun fact. I know. <laughs> I know. I know. I mean, he told the, the staff, and we were like, wait, what? Yeah. I mean, because he would always drive himself to work, and, yeah. you know, none of us knew him yeah. before then. But, yeah, he was like, yeah, I didn't feel the need to, to get my license. And he really likes to dance. Oh. I have so many videos of him dancing. Oh. 
-hmm. you know, whether it was a senior event that we did or a birthday party or any, anytime they play music, one of the last uh, things that I staffed him for was the beloved benefit that was at Mercedes Benz and uh, Bruno Mars mm -hmm. was playing that year. I remember that. <laughs> yes. And so, you know, it, it was a long evening. He spoke. Steve Harvey was the host and, and brought him up on stage. And so he had a moment where he spoke. And it was a long evening. And I was like, well, you know, do you want to go? Yeah. And he was like, well, who's next? And I was like, Bruno Mars. <laughs> I'm like, you don't know any of his songs. But he was like, no, I'll stay. And I mean, he was jamming. <laughs> And then, you know, people came over and wanted to dance with him, and he danced with them. Wow. He was just, he was a joy. That's awesome. Yeah. I never met him, but I feel like just from what I've seen from him, like all of the public-facing documentations and stuff, he just seemed like the most delightful, authentic, cool dude. Yes, definitely authentic and delightful until he was focused and mm. wanted to get something done mm -hmm. and you knew he meant business but he always treated everyone with the utmost respect yeah and and that was another thing that I learned it didn't matter if he was being called names or or not I I saw him get on the phone with someone who left a scathing message and at the end of that phone call that man was apologizing to him Ooh. for calling him out of his name but it's the way that he showed up with intention of no matter what you say to me, I'm going to treat you with respect and dignity because mm -hmm. you are a human being. Yeah. And I think I think a lot of times we miss that. Oh, uh, lots and lots of times. Right. <laughs> right. This is true. So, you know, when you get those hard phone calls or people who are frustrated, to treat them with kindness because there's something behind their frustration Absolutely. or their anger, but do you have the patience to get to the bottom of it? Yeah, and that immediately, I think, diffuses that yeah. tension, Yeah, but it, it takes a, a strong person to be able to stay calm and get it out of them, so that's really cool. <laughs> <laughs> so we've gone over a lot of really amazing facets of John Lewis. Yeah. Um, uh, of course, you're no longer serving him, but no. you've moved on to an amazing project. Will you share with us a little bit about what Plywood People does? Sure, I would love to. I'm really excited that I, I had the opportunity to transition. It wasn't a smooth transition because everything was going on in, in 2020 mm -hmm. with regards to my husband, the mm -hmm. congressman passing. And then I'm like, oh my gosh, now I'm in a space where I'm outside of politics yeah. and I'm moving into the nonprofit sector. So Plywood People is a nonprofit and we educate and serve uh, social entrepreneurs and social impact leaders. We do that through a multitude of ways. We have a podcast that's three years running. Oh, wow. Yes, all of our teams serve as hosts and you think of NPR's How I Built This. Mm -hmm. We're asking social impact leaders to share their story of how they pioneered in their lane with our community. We also have a co-working space and that is for anybody and everybody. So you do not have to be a part of Plywood, you know, the umbrella of the nonprofit to work 
out of Plywood Place, but we're located in historic West End, right on the Beltline, right in the Lee and White complex. It's a 10,000 square foot facility. It is absolutely beautiful. And we have three levels of membership there. So our lowest price point, which is most affordable, is our commuter membership. That's $65 a month. And then we have, you know, more permanent spaces for people who want offices or dedicated desks. And then we have programming to educate and train social impact leaders. We do that in three different tiers. So for that person who is like, I have an idea. I'm not sure if I should quit my day job. I need help figuring it out. As someone helped me ask the hard questions of getting my idea out of my head and putting it onto paper from clouds to concrete is what we like to say. I love that. I that is that program is called Path and that six week online curriculum that you are tracking along with a facilitator in a cohort. And it's wonderful because it helps people decide, is this a hobby or is this something that can sustain? And then we have Foundations, which is a two-day boot camp okay. where we have identified 10 areas of tension that social that any startup basically has to kind of get foundational pillars in the ground. Do you know how to tell your story? Branding, partnership, cash, legal, culture, all of those things we've you know, we bring in content providers to speak to those areas of tension. And then one evening, we have an advisor dinner. We have 120 advisors in our network of seasoned professionals, and we pair them up with the participants so that they can have a two-hour dinner on us, right? Um, (laughs) And you get to, like, put all of your ideas, your frustrations, your questions on the table, and that advisor will will walk you through that process or, or be a sounding board or give you advice, whatever it is you need. We do a really good job of matching people up with that. And then lastly, our layers group. And we have several layers groups. We have a virtual one, we have a layers plus, and we have a regular layers group. That is more of your time. And it's for a year that you're tracking along with your cohort. And again, we bring in speakers. We have curriculum that our programs manager, she has so carefully curated. And that is that group meets once a month. Okay. So there are several things going on, you know, within within our walls. But uh, I'm really proud of the work that we get to do. And then last but not least, we do a conference every year called Plywood Presents. And this year we're celebrating 15 years of impact. It will be at Center Stage on February 28th. And I'm really excited. Think of TED Talk for Social Entrepreneurs. We, We have a great lineup of speakers. And the theme this year is From Here to There. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. And I, last year I was in a mastermind group and our group met at Plywood. Yes. And I knew that you worked there, but I had never been because I don't need a co-working space. Right. Um, However, uh, I felt myself so looking forward to my monthly meetings there because it was just so nice to be in such a beautiful space and surrounded by people who are clearly just passionate and inspired about what they're doing. And even if it was in completely different lanes than me, if you have an entrepreneurial spark, there's so much commonality, uh, more than you would think. And I just, you must be thrilled to go to work there every day. (laughs) I am thrilled to go to work there every day. We have a beautiful mural there by Greg Mike. It's one of his biggest. I think it's 
don't get me the line. I, I don't know footage. <laughs> what wise. is the exact square footage? Exactly. <laughs> I don't. I don't know. I want to say I'm gonna mess it up, but it's huge. <laughs> it's it's his largest that he has. Wow. But it it just fosters good energy and yeah. community, and and that's really what we try to do because. Being an entrepreneur can be lonely, mm-hmm. and we want to make sure that as you are thinking about making an impact in your sphere of influence, whether that's your community, your city, or your country, we want to make sure that we give you the tools, number one, to sustain and grow, to scale. Number two, we want to make sure that you have the support system that you need and know that there are other like-minded people who want to do good in this world and they can be sitting right beside you. Yeah. So you don't have to go to a coffee shop. I'm not knocking coffee shop work. Sure. But if you want to be able to get your work done and then look over and see a face that is also doing something progressive, you, you should come to Plywood Place and check it out. You don't have to be a member to use our, our space. Like you said, you don't need a co-working space, but your group was meeting because we have conference rooms. We have an event space. We're able to do a lot of things in this 10,000 square foot mm-hmm. facility. Yeah. Yeah. Are there any companies or brands that people may have heard of that got their start at Plywood? Well, if you are familiar with Refuge Coffee, Kitty Murray, she has gone through a lot. She has been a part of the plywood community forever. Erin Eddy, so worth loving, is another phenomenal person who has gone through plywood. We have Terrence Lester, who is also going to be speaking at Plywood Presents. Um, Love Beyond Walls. He... Yeah, so I mean, (laughs) we have a lot of people. Portrait Coffee now has a office in Plywood Place, even and now they have their own brick and mortar building. So we're we've been able to foster community, but also have a touch on over eleven hundred organizations. Wow, so far that's amazing. And counting, that's amazing. Do you see this being something that could branch into other cities? That's always the question. I think right now the focus is really on Atlanta. We have scaled a little bit because we introduced uh, in the summer Plywood Plus, which brings plywood and all of its goodness online to those who like maybe only come for our conference. So now they're able to still have access to our courses. We do lunch and learns on this, on this app. Uh, We have a whole chat community. We're sharing best practices. We have resources that, you know, are housed on our app. It's called Plywood Plus. So you don't have to necessarily be up you know, in the city of Atlanta. Because like you said, everyone doesn't need a co-working space. Yeah, We're able, and we have partnerships outside of Atlanta. So I ha- I guess as I'm talking this out, <laughs> we have scaled. Um, <laughs> but it, it looks different in different sure. places. So we have, you know, members who are a part of our Plywood Plus community from Columbia to New York City. We have partnerships. Uh, we had one in Wisconsin, Kenosha, Wisconsin, and also Southwest Michigan. Okay. So we're able to scale in that regard where they're using either our our curriculum or our programming. But Plywood Plus is our latest venture that we're most proud of, and, and that community is growing. So we want to make sure that we're giving opportunity for social impact leaders globally to be a part of what we're doing here in Atlanta. That's amazing. Yeah. 
Uh, I can tell that you have a podcast where you speak about this a lot because you're so eloquent and succinct about getting this content across. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, I got to brush up. I got to be better. <laughs> is there anything in your time there where you were like, this is a risk or I don't know about this, but I'm going to do it anyways. That's really paid off. You mean in terms of a project? Yeah, or? just anything that you were like, this is scary, but I'm going to do it anyways. And uh, you were met with a reward. Well, you know what? I mean, me changing careers was definitely, it, I don't want to say it was a risk, but it was an unknown. Yeah. And I, I think what's really important or what's fantastic about me being a part of the plywood community on this side of things, because Prior to being d director of operations, I was on the board of Plywood ah, for two and a half years. Okay, cool. So in 2017 is when I joined the board. In 2016 is when I had my first in, uh, conversation with Jeff Schenenberger, who's our founder and executive director. Okay. And that's because he called Congressman Lewis's office because he wanted Congressman Lewis to speak at Plywood Presents. Oh, wow. So for your listeners out there, just another plug. There are all types of great people that we will have at Plywood Presents, you know, and I was able to foster that to get the congressman to speak there. Oh, so he did it. He did. Oh, cool. Um, he wasn't able to show up in person because Washington called him away, but we were able to do an interview. Jeff and Lecrae had interviewed the congressman, and then they showed that at Plywood Presents. As a thank you, Jeff sent two tickets to me and I took an intern and it was at the tabernacle at the time. Oh, cool. So we walked right down the street and I was able to attend and I was blown away by the intentionality of this organization that is really fostering community and pushing the envelope forward of let's make an impact in our community. Let's make an impact in our sphere of influence in all of these different ways. Mm -hmm. And as we think about the organizations that we educate and train, those people then become speakers. You know what I mean? Yeah. Across the nation, they're doing big things and we wouldn't even realize it. So all of that was in the wheelhouse of the congressman mm -hmm. and then it became in the wheelhouse of me yeah. personally. And when I was asked to join the board, I was just like, wow. Really That's so cool. <laughs> yeah, it was really cool. And it was my first time really serving on a board of this magnitude where it wasn't just fundraising. Yeah. It was you are rolling up your sleeves and getting into the work that this organization was doing. Mm -hmm. So then when I was asked to join on this side of things, I was like, oh, well, it sounds great, but I'm also scared because I... I've never worked in a nonprofit sector before. Yeah. So that was a risk I feel like that has paid off. Absolutely. And I have grown exponentially, you know, just like I have with Congressman Lewis, I've grown in the sense of my confidence, being able to use my gifts and knowing that my gifts were for this group of people or for this individual as I'm having conversations, building our team. We're a small team, but we do great things. And I, I get a chance to make a deposit in, in their life, which is important to me. Some of the things that we have tried to do, I don't know. Uh, Jeff comes up with all kinds of ideas, and he's the visionary. And then I'm like, whoa. But <laughs> I, just like with my husband, he's a visionary. And I'm like, I, I, I don't want to say I'm pragmatic, but I'm the analytical one. Or maybe yeah. I'm, uh, I don't know. 
I don't know what word I would want to use, but I'm cautious. Sure. And so it's getting me out of my comfort zone of dream big and, mm-hmm. and see what happens from that. That's beautiful. Are tickets still available to Pilot Presents? Yes, tickets are so available. We would love to have anyone join us for that evening. We, Like I said, we have Terrence Lester speaking. We have Brad Montague. I don't know if people remember Kid President. Yes. Yes. Actually. <laughs> yes. Now you're going to look him up and then you're going to be like, oh my gosh, he's oh, going to yeah. be there. Uh, we have Tadashi who will be there. We have India Ari what? who will be there. And all of these people will be sharing about getting from here to there. And what does that even mean? Yeah. You know, I think we're always questioning, oh, have we arrived? Mm-hmm. And to me, the answer is no. We're always evolving. Yeah. So come and join us at Plywood Presents February 28th. It will be an evening to remember. We're going to have an after party, and you can get tickets at plywoodpresents.com. Perfect. I'm going to link that in our show notes. Thank you. Um, Tuiri, what are your what are the Plywood socials where people can find you and dig into the work that y'all are doing? Sure. Our Plywood socials we have on Instagram, it's Plywood People. Okay. We're also on Facebook, Plywood People, <laughs> and LinkedIn. I do the posting for LinkedIn, <laughs> Plywood People. But, uh, you know, all of our platforms, TikTok, okay. which a lot of people came through our doors because they saw reels on TikTok and was like, oh, my gosh, this is a dope co-working space. Yeah. But, um, yeah, those are all of Plywood's socials that you can follow us along at. Okay, wonderful. Well, like I said, I'm going to link that all in our show notes. And, uh, Tori, is there anything else that we haven't covered that you'd like to share? No, I feel like this has been a robust. <laughs> I always like to use that word. This has been a robust conversation. I just, you know, encourage people to, I don't know, kind of step outside of themselves. Yeah. And see what's pulling at their heart Mm -hmm. and take a step forward in doing that. I love that. Yeah. To where he told you, you have to do it. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. All right. Well, thank you so much for listening. I hope you got as much out of this episode as I did. This is an absolute pleasure because I feel like I hardly had to talk because to where he's just full of cool information. Uh, As always, we love reviews and ratings and Clover Club listeners get 10% off at hawkinsandclover.com with promo code CLOVERCLUB, all caps. And Twiri, thank you so much for your time. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. Thank you. We'll hear y'all next week. Bye. That, that was so good. Oh, was it? <laughs> <laughs>